Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, where I try to bring you some interesting interviews with cool entrepreneurs who are making an impact for their companies and beyond. And today we're bringing you just that. Today we have the CEO of 44 Doors, Andy Meadows. And Andy, 44 Meadows is like the holding company over several companies that they either own or they invest in. And I'll let him tell you all the different things that they do. But I've known Andy for a long time because he's also one of the serial entrepreneurs here in Austin, Texas, who, if you've been participating locally, you run into him from time to time. And before we started recording, I found out he has five kids. I knew that he had four. A fifth one snuck in there somewhere since the last time I had talked to him. But years ago, the one thing that always, when he just had two kids, he had two daughters. The one thing I knew about him was he had great taste in naming his kids because when he had two kids and I had two kids, and for the record, I still only have two kids, uh, both of our kids had the same name. He had Catherine and Jacqueline, uh, Kate and Jackie, and I had Kate and Jackie. We just had them in the opposite order, but I always remember every time I ran into him, it's our kids had the same name, and then he had another one. And then another one, and apparently yet another one. So, you know, I'm sure the next time we interview Andy, he's going to have six kids because it doesn't seem to ever stop. But uh, (laughs) that's just one of the cool things he does in his life. So, Andy, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having me. Hey, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about 44 Doors and about Andy Meadows? Absolutely. So 44 Doors is a software company we created after building software for other people for years. Uh, We stumbled into a solution for ourselves and created a product and then another one and another one. So today, uh, 44 Doors are really focused on software solutions that simplify the enterprise. So look for those kind of problems that people have every day in great volume and try to make it easier. So the first product is Bud URL. It's the first one we launched um, actually seven years ago this month. Happy and, anniversary. Uh, oh, thank you. And uh, so BudURL, it's professional link management. Um, it's short URLs with powerful analytics and some of those capabilities that are only found or what you'd expect to need in a, in a business organization. So it's not just shrinking a URL. There's a lot more to it than that. So we found kind of a unique little niche and really capitalized on it. Um, the next one is Captix, and that's our event management for field marketing events. So if you're running a large volume of events and have a lot of steps you need to automate that, Captix makes it really easy. And then Overpass is our latest application, just lost in the App Store, um, and it's it's re- really about always on lead capture. How do you turn your business cards into pipeline? So going to these events, capture them quickly and easily, and we push it into your CRM and marketing automation system. So Andy, what led you into being an entrepreneur? Did you start off in sort of traditional businesses? I did. I um, Well, I, I take that back. I actually, I've been an entrepreneur at heart uh, pretty much my, my whole life. Um, I started out when most kids were had their summer jobs. I was out uh, kind of hustling for, for different types of businesses. I would do computer consulting back before you had computer shops. And in college, I would do computer consulting for um, you know, small marketing companies. And um, that was, that was my, uh, my, I guess, my college job. So quickly after college, I immediately went and started building websites and, and such for others and went to go work for a large company uh, up in Dallas for a few years and got about four years of experience there. And then uh, really drawn into the startup world. So moved back to Austin, went to work for a startup here, and was really missing the, the, the calling of entrepreneurship. So after being there for a few years, I started off my own and have been there ever since. So is that seven years that you've been doing doing your own thing? 
Actually, I think, uh, let's see, this makes it 13 years. I oh my gosh. So you did something before Bud URL then? Yeah. So we, we actually started doing custom software for others. And after doing that for about seven or so years, um, moved into creating our first product. And then did that at the same time we were doing stuff for others. We also were running Bud URL internally, realized that product space is really what was, what was calling me. So we shifted gears and focused all of our efforts on our products. So what do you think that calling, that ping inside of you was that made you want to do your own thing? Um, for me, I think it was, there's, there's a different direction every day. You can somewhat create uh, your own challenges, uh, your own opportunities, and uh, every day is something different. So you can evolve based on your own strengths and weaknesses. You can gravitate toward what you're really strong at. And, um, and if there's an area of weakness, you get a chance to, to really focus on it. So there are a couple of things that I felt I was really terrible at. So I kind of doubled down on myself and invested in those areas, and now I feel much stronger about it. So what are a couple of those areas you felt maybe wasn't your strong suit? Uh, sales was the biggest one. Um, after running sales myself for, for years, I really felt like I didn't have a, a good structure around it. So I actually uh, enrolled in the local Sandler uh, program here in Austin and uh, did that for three years and really felt that I, at, at that point in time, it's one of those things I don't think you ever, you can never be perfect at it or never have enough information, but I felt like I had a, a system and a structure and uh, really feel confident now in, in the processes and the, the roles and procedures. So do you think sales is an area that a lot of entrepreneurs sort of overlook the importance of until they're sort of knee deep in their company? Absolutely. Uh, I think that sales are one of those things that everybody has this uh, field of dreams mentality. If you build it, they will come and um, sometimes it happens that way. Um, and so often we keep hearing about these overnight 10-year successes where suddenly somebody's name pops up. Oh, yeah, they they were so successful. It just came out of nowhere. And then you hear the backstory and realize they've been struggling for years. And then they, they finally found the magic combination. I think sales is critical to accelerating that overnight success process. Well, and I come out of a sales background. I mean, that was what I did early in my career. I was sales. And then, then I went into sort of marketing and sort of a hybrid business development. But, you know, I was 100% commission sales guy for a long time, and I was good at it. And the thing is, is, you know, now that I kind of have my own business, I find sales is one of the hardest things because I'm pulled in so many different directions. You know, I forget that being a good salesman, it's a full-time job. And, you know, running a business as a sole opener, I've got to do the books. I've got to do, you know, the marketing. I have to actually deliver the product. I have to do, you know, sort of the strategic planning and I can't do 100% of my day strictly related to sales. And even as a successful salesman, you know, as the entrepreneur, I found that sales sort of kind of slipped to a secondary type thing. So I imagine for those who don't have the, the natural background or the, the, the years of experience in it, that it's even easier to put that on a back burner. Yeah, even today for myself, it's very easy for me to push sales down to a second or, or third level activity. But uh, what I find that when we're most successful are days when, when I'm carving out time to make sure that I'm focused on sales, even though and I, I truly believe that everybody in the company is responsible for sales, whether it's Amen. one person or everybody, that's, everybody has that, that role that they're playing in some way. But at the same time, um, whether or who you are in the organization, you've got to have your eye on the ball. And sales is a big part of that. Well, I do a lot of coaching for uh, lawyers and bankers and accountants and engineers, sort of service professionals. And two things that you just said that I tell all of them are, number one, everyone in your company is on your sales team. That means the assistant, the receptionist, the people in the mailroom, all of your associates, everybody's part of your sales team. And, and if you don't grasp that, you're leaving money on the table. And then, and then the second thing I tell them is that if you make your sales and marketing a second tier priority, and if you think about lawyers, accountants, you know, engineers, bankers, I mean, they didn't get into this world that they're in in order to be salespeople. In fact, some of them purposely went into a profession to get out of having to be a salesperson. They didn't want that. And I said that if you make it a second tier priority, 
you're always going to have second tier results. And that really, I think, translates directly to anybody who has any type of entrepreneurial venture. You have to move sales up to the front. Absolutely. That's very true. So do you think getting involved with a formal program like Sandler was, was beneficial? Uh, to me, it's, it's one of the, the two things that I feel I did that, that really changed my whole trajectory professionally because uh, it gave me a, a common language to speak with salespeople. It gave me an understanding of it. And more importantly, it gave me a foundation for communication in general. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Sandler program. Uh, and whether it's Sandler or something else, you create your own. To me, it's, it's that steady cadence and um, the, I guess the, the shared language that you have with your team that really helps a team communicate and gel well together so you can have alignment and really get everybody on the same page and stay there. Well, and having interviewed now close to 100 entrepreneurs for this podcast and, and talked to probably thousands more in my career, one of the things I find just as an observer is some of the best entrepreneurs are the ones who are willing to roll up their sleeves and go get coaching or go take a class or read a book or just you know listen to podcasts or whatever it takes to fill in that gap where they don't have all the knowledge. So I, I applaud you for having jumped into the to the Sandler training when you did. Thank you. I believe uh, professional development is one of those things that you, you can never quit learning. It's got to be something you're, to me, it's the, the day you stop training yourself is the day you start getting rusty and your, your saw becomes dull. Absolutely. So you might have touched on this a little bit before, but what is it that you absolutely love about being your own boss, about being the head of the ship, the entrepreneur? Uh, I, I think what I absolutely love is that every day is a new challenge. I get to to help solve problems for people in a, in a wide variety of, of realms. Um, and with the team that we have, um, I love to see them, I love to, to talk about their goals and their objectives and find out where they want to go and help them get there through what we're doing with our clients. Um, so as we're kind of navigating this process. We're doing it together, we're doing it as a team, and we're, we're setting objectives together, and then we're accomplishing them. And it feels really great to go back and, and look at uh, something that started out as an idea in one of our planning sessions, and then turn into a solution, and then seeing hundreds or thousands of people using that every single day. And all those touch points, I get really excited and really jazzed when I think about the number of people that actually touched something that we created that went from an idea into reality that's making somebody's life better. But Andy, come on. Let's be honest. Are there ever days where you think, I wish I had stayed working for that company in Dallas? Don't think there's a day like that. I don't think that's actually come out. But uh, there are some days that are definitely better than others. There are days I think, oh, you know, this is just not a great day. And it's tough, for sure. So what advice do you have for somebody that a lot of the listeners of my show have this secret dream, or, or maybe not so secret dream, of being an entrepreneur, maybe some of them are new to this. Uh, I think some people are established entrepreneurs, but a lot of my audience who reach out to me, they say, you know, I'm at that place where I'm ready to take the leap or I'm ready to learn about how to take the leap. So what advice do you have for somebody who maybe they're working that job and they have that little ping in their stomach like you did that says, I want to go start my own thing. What advice do you have for them? Uh, I think there's there's two key pieces to that. Um, the first is you can never know enough about what you're getting ready to do. Uh, there's infinite number of books that are out there. Um, there's seminars, there's conferences, there's all kinds of ways to learn about those who are doing it. Um, and something that, that you've been big about um, is making sure you're learning from those who have actually done themselves or not just teaching the content. They're actually experienced with it, which I think is critical. But the other part of that too is... Um, to me, and this is something I, I know a little bit about, um, starting a business or going out and on your own is a lot about a lot similar to having children, um, <laughs> <laughs> which which you keep doing apparently. Uh, yes, yeah, we're we're you know we're, some things you're just better at than others. So, um, <laughs> hey, but, everybody's got to have a hobby, man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, really, starting your business is similar to having kids. There is no perfect time to do it. Uh, you simply have to do it. But know that it's going to be the hardest profession that you'll ever tackle. 
yet simultaneously the most rewarding. So it's there. You just you can't prepare yourself enough, but uh, it's not ever going to be easy. But at the end of the day, you can look back and say, I did a good job today. And well, it feels great. And you can see the fruits of your labor. And you brought up the fact that you never can know, you know enough about it. One of the things I see is, is that a lot of people make a lot of assumptions about what their industry is about. I see it in my business as a professional speaker, professional master of ceremonies. I see a lot of people come into the business who think, you know, like you said, sort of the if you build it, they will come. If I write a book, people are going to hire me to speak. Or if I call myself a speaker on LinkedIn, my phone's going to ring. And they have no idea what the business side of it. A lot of people are shocked when I talk about the industry of being a speaker. And they're like, what the heck do you mean? And it's like, it's really easy to research what the business is. I mean, there's several associations, you know, there's all kinds, there's probably 10,000 people you can find easily and another 10,000 people you'd have to dig for who make their living as speakers and trainers and and uh, masters of ceremonies who are willing to share. It's a very friendly thing, but I see tons of people throw their hat in the ring and say, oh, I'm now a professional speaker. And most of the ones who don't understand the business and haven't learned what it's about tend to wash out. So do you see that in, in starting a tech company also? Absolutely. Um, in fact, my CTO pointed out uh, recently that we were having a conversation with somebody and, and um, pointed out that we've actually launched other products that we have kind of shelved and put to the side because they just weren't successful enough to warrant all of our attention. Um, so it's it's something you uh, you want to be able to, we, we always talk about looking for that safe first step. Um, how can you put your big toe in the water and take a look at it? Guy Kawasaki talks about this, where looking for that, that big toe in the water experience where you can test something out before diving in head first. And there's a certain point where you have to commit and say, we're going to go after this full speed and we're going to have the right resources and, and the right attention to make sure that we're going to really understand the market and can adapt to it. And you have to have the resources, you have to have the people, you have to have the knowledge. And some of that you just can't get overnight. So it is a process and you have to have the right systems in place and the right um, checks and balances to make sure that you're you're on the right track and you're doing the right things or you'll find yourself in over your head. Well, I spent, you know, a decade of my career sticking the toe in the water and dreaming and hoping and wishing. And, and by the way, hoping, dreaming and wishing isn't actually a business plan. And, and I firsthand <laughs> yes. learned that. But uh, I had my toe in the water and then I had my toe in the water and then maybe I got to my ankle and I was thinking about diving. And then in my case, I sort of got pushed. I got laid off during the Great Recession in April of 2009, just skaplash in the water. And, you know, somebody interviewed me for their podcast and I said, you know, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I was overthinking it. And I think you're right. There comes a point where, you know, you have to be confident in yourself and jump in or get pushed or you're just forever going to be dipping that toe. That's very true. And I can say from from, uh, from my perspective, both right out of college uh, and then uh, in Austin, when I actually started this company originally, um, in both situations, I had a, a bit of a shove in the direction I was going. It's, I knew that's where I wanted to go, but there was a, I was a little timid and, and ready or not to make the big jump. And uh, having that, that little shove was really what I needed and ultimately was, in many cases, the best thing that could have happened to me. And looking back, you I get those periodically as I'm uh, apprehensive about the next the next leap in our company and in life in general. And sometimes having that little shove was all you need to get over the over it and ready it to uh, to dive in. Well, I talk to people all the time who you know in a variety of industries who want to start podcasts, and you know they're they're listening to them and they're thinking about it, and you know they've spent two years researching it, or they started one and, and they do an episode like when they feel like it every six months, and 
you know, it's like you got to commit to it and just, you know, get that ball rolling. And people say, wow, you know, Tom, this show is starting to get some traction and, you know, you've had success with it and you're interviewing, you know, cooler and cooler people like Andy Meadows. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all this stuff is, is, is happening. But the fact was, if I hadn't made that commitment and just said, I'm going to go do, you know, my goal was to do 50 episodes and then decide if I wanted to go forward. And, you know, I'm now at like 105 episodes and I don't want to stop now because I'm learning so much. Hopefully, you know, this stuff that you're sharing resonates with someone in the audience. But you've already said stuff that I've actually taken some notes here thinking, you know, he's absolutely right. So, you know, it's as much about me learning as it is about anybody else. But if I hadn't actually made that commitment and jumped in, we wouldn't have the show, which leads me to the fact that it is time to thank our sponsor. And I wouldn't have the show if it wasn't for this sponsor. And that is the sponsor of this episode is Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. And they did that for me. I didn't keep sticking my toe in the water because I found somebody who could do all the heavy lifting and all the back end stuff and to give me guidance and training that ensured that this podcast would sound amazing. Podfly does the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Andy. For those of you who are listening who might be in that list of people who want to start your own podcast, you can jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and see a special offer that they have for the listeners of the show and just reach out to them, you know, and ask them, you know, what can you do for me? And, and they'll give you all the right answers. I peppered them with so many questions before I started the show and they always gave me the answer I was hoping for. And now 105 episodes later, you know, they have been a great, great partner. So Andy, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what are you doing in your business that's cool? Lately, uh, we're actually getting ready to launch our, our latest app. Uh, so it's called Overpass. And Overpass came about by the, the experience we've had in the event management space for the last couple of years and seeing the huge gap and the insane complexity in the lead capture process. These companies are spending big budgets, no matter if they're large or small, it's a significant amount of their, their revenue um, to be at these events and to capture these leads. And the challenge that the salespeople had to get them back was so so difficult. Uh, often they're leads or they're lost leads or they never make it to the right hands. They're taking pictures and emailing them back and forth. So we created Overpass, which lets you take a picture of a business card or scan a barcode. We capture the lead. You can then um, tag it with notes or specific tags, and we transcribe it for you. So we have humans who look at the information, uh, type it up, and push it over to your CRM system. And we're excited about this because for us, it's a problem we saw every single day. We got calls almost weekly from people who had this problem. Can you help me with it? And so after looking at it for a while, we decided there had to be a better way. And so we built Overpass. You actually have humans involved in the process? Yes. Um, so a lot of times when you look at the different business card scanning apps that are out there, they're using OCR or optical character recognition. And because there are different formats, different structures, the lighting is off or the, the coloring, um, they don't always match up and they're kind of flaky. And so really the best way to do it is to have a human looking at the business card and typing up what they see, including your handwritten notes. And so that way it's a perfect transcription and they're verifying it with real eyes by real humans and, and native English speakers. And so it's a beautiful transcription process between taking a picture and having it 
show up in your CRM system, which is immediately actionable with all of your notes. And it happens almost instantaneously. So it's a beautiful process. And we're really excited about it. So we have a lot of people in the event space who listen to this show. So what is it called again? And why is it something that they need to get their hands on? It's called Overpass. And you can get it by going to getoverpass.com. And the reason to get it is that it's an always on lead capture system. So you don't have to worry about, do I, am I renting a device? Do I have to turn it in? How do I, who does it belong to? Is it a company device? It runs on your device. It's in your pocket all the time. So it's always accessible and always on. Well, that's pretty cool. So Andy, so. <laughs> so Andy, I think the best entrepreneurs, in addition to doing really cool things and creating new apps and new products, I think the best entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. And so I love to ask the guests on the show, in addition to what they're doing that's cool, what's something you see some other entrepreneur doing where you think, gosh, they're just crushing it? Uh, there's a few of them. Um, Jessica Ma at Indonero is one of my favorites lately. Um, she's really shining a light on win- women entrepreneurship. She's got a global organization that's really revolutionizing the accounting field, specifically around startups and entrepreneurs. And so I love what she's doing in Indonero. Um, another one uh, is Jason Cohen. He's uh, one of the founders of WP Engine and Specifically, WP Engine, I think, is a great company. But what I love about Jason is his blog, uh, smartbear.com, um, and all the stuff that he's doing, all the all the education he's providing, showing what it's really like day to day. And I think that's that's been really, to me, it's a, it's a great source of education. I've known Jason for a while, and he is a smart bear. Yes, he is, <laughs> for sure. I've got to pay attention when I read. Um, the other one, I think, is uh, the folks at CB Insights. Um, they have a, a series going on right now about revenue-funded. So we're a self-funded or a revenue-funded company, which means that our, our funding comes from our customers. And so there's a whole different mindset in that whole process, which is huge when you're in a startup mode. Do I pay? Do I self-fund it? How do I, how do I get started? And so the whole concept of revenue-funded uh, is really revolutionized, I think, from our perspective, looking at what we're doing and the way we're doing it. It's, you hear a lot of news about uh, raising money for certain events and certain uh, certain startups and so forth. But when you're revenue funded, it's a, it's a whole different game changer. So I love the content that they're creating there and that the whole, uh, I guess, the whole philosophy around it. So let's talk just a little bit more about being revenue funded. I mean, my my own little solopreneurness has always been that way. It's if, I, if I'm not earning money, I can't go invest in a new website. If I'm not earning money, I can't do the new marketing thing. So, you know, I have to earn money in order to spend money. And so how does that work in the larger company, sort of the tech company world? We're so used to hearing about venture funding and investors. How does it work when you're doing it that way? To me, it's, uh, it requires you to be smarter. To me, the more money you have, the more mistakes you can make. And so when you're revenue funded, you have to be a little more cautious about where you're putting your resources and what you're truly focusing on your investments. Are you investing in your people and your technology um, and growing your market? Um, are you, do you have a close relationship with your customers? Are, they, are you really focused on their needs or are you just focused on getting the next one in the door? Um, so it, to me, it requires you to, to have a better business than those that might have great funding but haven't quite nailed down the model yet. So you just made me feel a lot better because I'm going to quote you. This is the quote of the day. You guys can go to all the listeners can go on to Twitter because Andy says that being revenue funded, you have to be smarter. And so all of us who are out there making our way via revenues, according to Andy, we're just smarter. Absolutely. I'll say it all day long. <laughs> So Andy, in addition to being great observers, I think that entrepreneurs love to find ways to give back, big and small, across the board. They they like to impact other people besides just you know how they make money. So what is it that you do to give back to the greater good? 
what I really enjoy doing is, is helping other entrepreneurs overcome their obstacles, whether they be larger companies or smaller companies. What I found is that um, all companies face the same struggles every day. They're just in different proportions. And I do a lot of that through the Entrepreneurs Organization, or EO. Um, so I, I like to participate in their Ignite and Accelerator programs, um, give back in terms of the board and the community events and how they get plugged in into other organizations themselves. But uh, it's there's the entrepreneurship journey is is a difficult one. And then hopefully for most people, it's a long one. And uh, those struggles and journeys people go through, we're all sharing them together and having that that uh, organization be able to facilitate that and, and share those stories together to avoid those potholes has been really instrumental. So let's talk a little bit more about EO. I am actually a former participant of the Austin EO Accelerator program, and I did it for a year. I couldn't do the second year because when they published the schedule, it met quarterly. I had three of the four dates booked to give speeches out of town, so it was sort of silly to be part of a program when you could attend maybe one of four meetings. But in the first year that I was involved, you know, it actually, I learned a lot. Now, I was a little bit different because I was a solopreneur, but then a lot of people who had more growth-oriented companies. But, you know, just the people I met and the people I worked with and, and, and seeing those people from the main EO organization who, you know, had million to $10 million companies who were really out there, you know, doing some fascinating things, coming in and listening to what I was trying to do, it was really helpful. And there was a lot of emphasis on, you know, really getting your hand around your finances. And I really learned a lot from that. So let's talk about EO and, and why it's important at, at the level that you're at, but also through Accelerator um, or Ignite, something that, that anyone can get involved with and how is that helpful? Right. So, with so one of the changes that Austin has made, and I think Nashville um, was where it originally started. They switched over from the accelerator program to Ignite, and one of the main reasons is that accelerator is a quarterly format, whereas Ignite is a monthly format. So, with your own experience, one of the things they recognize is that it, sometimes it was difficult that one day for that one quarter was a massive amount of information, and as a as a younger business, you really needed a more steady cadence, and so they shifted that to a monthly program. Um, and there's a 12-month curriculum now. So you're getting smaller components of it, but you're, then it's reinforced through homework and accountability groups throughout the month. Um, and it follows very similar structure to the general EO program, uh, which the education is not uh, quite as structured and uh, follows such a rigid path, but it follows a lot of the same learnings that we have in the, in the EO program worldwide. So tell everybody what EO is, because I'm not sure that everybody's going to understand the concept. Right. So EO, uh, again, stands for Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a worldwide network of, I think it's between ten and 11,000 members. And uh, the minimum requirement is a million dollars in annual revenue. Um, and it goes up to, there's people with you know, 50, 100 million plus uh, business. Um, and then uh, we meet monthly in a group called a forum, which is between eight to 10 people. And then there's a, a chapter and then there's a region and so forth. So there's about 150 members in Austin. Um, and then each one of those businesses, you can think about the, the impact that, that Austin has through EO, um, but then all the way down to that level. And so it's really, how do you how do you help people who are facing these challenges day to day, but um, they really don't have anybody to talk to. So EO talks about the 5% that you can't share with anybody else, but in your forum, you can talk about that 5% because everybody's been there. Uh, so sometimes I go in and I've got the worst problem of the day. And sometimes I go in and think my worst problem is really nothing compared to somebody else because <laughs> theirs is far, I'd much yeah. rather have mine than theirs. Wow. Good luck so with that, to, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's a great way to, to share your experience with each other and learn through those experiences. So how do people find out about EO if, if they are, are tickled to learn more? You go to eonetwork.org. Uh, you can learn all about it. They'll uh, connect you with your local chapter and uh, introduce you to whoever's uh, heading up membership. We'll talk to you all about it. So I know several people who were involved in Ignite or now I guess what would be, the, I'm sorry, Accelerator or now what would be Ignite who set their personal goal of 
attaining membership in EO. And so that was their thing. I, they had to become a million dollar company. And they've looked back and said that, you know, gaining that helped them grow their company faster because they, you know, anytime you have a goal, it's easier to make decisions because does it lead me closer to the goal or farther from the goal? So if you're a small business, you know, sort of getting around the EO people through Ignite or through whatever other programs they have, and then setting your sights on attaining membership to becoming that million dollar grossing company can help you grow your business. I think it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous uh, sort of carrot to put out in front of the horse. Absolutely. You can never quit learning. And EO is a great program to do that. No, and that's kind of interesting as my business has grown. I'm, I'm a long way from a million dollars a year in revenue, but all of a sudden just saying that out loud, I'm like, hmm, maybe that should be one of my goals to see if I can, you know, in like the next three or four years attain membership in EO. I hadn't thought about that. Is there an age cap? There's not. Excellent. Because it used to be the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. Is that right? It is. And they realized, and what's interesting is, as I've gotten a little older since I've joined, um, the the uh, median age has, has shifted a bit. But um, from my standpoint, I think they, they've lifted the cap and I think they've actually opened the cap. There isn't a, a ceiling as, like there used to be. But um, what they realized is that in entrepreneurship, as people were, were hitting that cap, they were leaving, they were losing all this knowledge. And as we've been talking about today, there's so much knowledge in those shared experiences. And so to let that go out the door was really a, a disservice to the program. So they realized, well, not only let's let's make sure they stay here, but then let's create other forum groups around that. So let's help them help others. And so there's now uh, mentorship programs. Uh, they've, again, the Accelerator and Ignite program. We've got speakers. They've got a My EO program. That um, So I'm actually in two forums. One of mine is um, software companies around the world. So half of my group is international. The other half is in the U.S. And we meet once a quarter or in different places around the world to share those experiences, to get a global view, which is actually one of the things that uh, where Overpass came about was um, a meeting in the Philippines and realizing what the labor market looked like there and the worldview from that perspective. It was really interesting and really opened my eyes to some of the possibilities. Hmm. Well, you've got me tickled and and. and- sort of contemplating maybe finding a way, even at my small size, of finding a way to get sort of reinvolved. One of my friends has spoken for a couple of EO chapters around the country and a bunch of Vistage chapters as well. And he speaks on what big brands know. His name is Jerry O'Brien, and he's actually been on the show, uh, I think, twice as a guest. Once uh, I interviewed him about goal setting around New Year's time, and then he and I were on a panel at South by Southwest, and we talked about forming a mastermind group. And we actually did a podcast out of the panel from South by Southwest before we went into the panel, we sort of practiced by doing a podcast. But Jerry has gone on and spoken for some EO chapters, and he is phenomenal uh, at teaching companies. He used to be the brand manager for Coors Light and Quiznos, and he goes in and teaches small companies what big brands know about marketing that really anybody can know. And he's become a real big fan of the EO organization, so we've been talking about it a lot lately. That's fantastic. I just wrote his name down. I can't wait to look him up. Yeah, look him up. You guys should bring him into Austin, and uh, he can stay with me, so you want to put him up in a hotel, because we're pretty good friends. Beautiful. So anyway, Andy, this has been great. I so appreciate you jumping in and sharing your, your journey with the listeners of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If somebody was listening and they want to find out more about you, or they have specific questions or heck they were listening to the different products that your companies have and they're like I need more that's exactly what we need for our event management how do they find you easiest thing to do is go to 44doors.com that's two fours doors.com and it rhymes it does excellent well again Andy thank you so much for being on the show and to those of you who tuned in and listen thank you very much because this show is all about you and inspiration and trying to help you knock down a couple of those barriers that might be in your way to doing cool things yourself as an entrepreneur We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. 
This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.